You're listening to episode 39 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. This week's episode features a conversation that actually outlines many things that not only I've struggled with, but I know for a fact many others have struggled with as well. As you know, Mother's Day was this past weekend, but this week is actually Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK, and in the US, May is Mental Health Month. So I decided to roll it all together and talk about the ups and downs of life, motherhood, and womanhood. I'd like to dedicate this episode to my mom, who has taught and shown me not only what it means to be an amazing mom, but a strong woman. So before I introduce to you this week's guest, it's time for the review of the week. This week's review comes from CT Pilot, and it reads, found Lauren through a podcast and that she was a guest on, and I'm glad I did. These episodes are exactly what I need right now. Keep it up, Lauren. Well, thank you, CT Pilot, not only for your encouragement and thoughtful review, but for taking the time to leave one. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts for a chance to be featured as our review of the week. Okay, are you ready for this week's episode? You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up, let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hey everyone, it's Lauren Smith. Welcome back to another episode. Mother's Day was just this past Sunday, and it always seems to be a day that ignites some feelings for me. I also get pretty sentimental on my kid's birthday. I think if you're a parent, you probably know this feeling. But being a mom is something I am incredibly proud of. Many people don't realize that I had my oldest daughter while I was still in college. I had just turned 21, and I had no idea who I was as a woman at the time. In the past nearly 10 years, I felt like I grew up with my daughter. The mom I was at 21 is not the mom I am at 31. Motherhood is this wave of stages that seem to hit us when we least expect it. One moment you're holding that sweet little baby, wondering who they'll be in this big world, and next you're sending them off to their first day of school. Before you know it, you're having the puberty talk, showing them how to drive, prepping for college. And I guess one day you might even gain the title of grand before mother. Through all these twists and turns, we, as mothers, are trying to teach our children while we're still evolving as women at the same time. So I thought an episode discussing the real-life roller coaster of motherhood, and yes, even womanhood, would be a perfect follow-up to Mother's Day. And since it's also Mental Health Awareness Week, I decided to invite back my friend, Psychotherapist, angelic Reiki healer, meditation expert, and the mindful mama herself, Shereel Turner. Welcome back to the show, Shereel. Hi, Lauren. It's good to be back. Hi, everyone. <laughs> this is one of my favorite things to do, and I'm just so excited that I get to be with you at this time because we've already celebrated motherhood, um, well, Mother's Day back in the UK, but I guess I get to celebrate it twice. And it's just such a perfect episode to be with you on because we are obviously both mothers. Well, I'm interested. thing that we share. Yeah. When is Mother's Day in the UK? Um, It's in March. Oh, interesting. in March. I can't remember the exact day. It's like towards the end of the month. So we already did all of that. (laughs) And they're done. Hey. Okay. Hey, we'll be back again. Why not? Back in time. Why not? So, yeah. 
Oh, I love that we're doing this episode because yes, we both are mothers, but we're also moms in two different stages of life. And we had this conversation a little bit before, you know, my mom, and I'm sure that this is a statement that you can agree with, but I remember telling her that I couldn't remember the last time that I gave Skylar a bath. You know, she's nine, nearly 10. She bathes herself. And when I start thinking about all these little things that she used to need me for, that she no longer needs me for at all, it just kind of hit me. And my mom said, she'll always need you, but she'll need you differently through each stage of life. And I think that was just an excellent way to put it. But is there a way that we as moms can, I don't know, gracefully transition into each stage without being too emotional or wanting to hold on to what used to be? Because I feel like most of the time, these new stages of parenting just hit me like a freight train out of nowhere. Right, right. Well, the good news is that we all, as mothers for the most part, feel exactly the same as we, first of all, stumble through each stage because (laughs) we're never ready. Um, We remain emotional, right? We're women, we're mothers. The cords and the ties that we have with our children will never um, shift from the emotional aspect. Mm. But I think what we can do as we move through those stages is just be really mindful in recognizing and accepting that something is in the past now and that there's something ahead of us. But let's just figure out how we can stay in this moment and in this stage with our children and really figure out how to enjoy and appreciate where we are with our children right now and just take it for what it is. Because I don't think that, you know, being a mother can ever be perfect, Mm. right? I don't think that we should even be trying to be perfect because when we're in that, um, just in that atmosphere and in that space of being with our children, it's when we're least perfect, Hmm. right? So our children experience us in every single mood, every, you know, part of the day, as we grow, you know, as we change, they experience us constantly as we flow through life. And I think that as mothers, sometimes we forget that our children are their own individual beings, and therefore we need to experience them in exactly the same way. And so no, no, no pressure, no requirements <laughs> as to know when to make a shift, you know, yeah. even though it feels like sometimes you have to go through a crisis to shift. It's almost like, you know, just accept what's happening right now and find a way to be present with it and just to be in that moment with your children. It can be really hard and really easy all in the same time because I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said we try to be perfect mothers. And right. now especially in this age of you know social media, it's like you get on Instagram and all you see is perfect moms because they have the ability to show you what they want to show you, right? So it can get very easy to have this mom guilt of mm-hmm. comparing and, you know, I'm not as good of a mom as her, or she takes her kids to do this. I don't have the money to do that. So it's so easy sometimes to just get caught up and not be in the moment. Right. You know what the most, most amazing thing is about children is that they always accept us for who we are, hmm. how we are, and how we are with them. And wow. What I want to say to people who, um, you know, to mums who 
do get caught up in the social media cycle is that your children are the most forgiving beings that you will ever be around. So in the way that we love our children unconditionally, they love us unconditionally. Now, when they get into adulthood and everything else, then that can be a different story. But for the most part, when they're small and we have so much to give them and so much almost like power and guidance over their life, they're willing to accept whatever we have to offer them as long as we find ways to be present with them and to experience them. So mm-hmm. I say, you know, close those apps, close your laptop, turn your phone off and sit down with your children. You know, just meet them wherever they are. So for moms who might be in the same stage of motherhood as you or even my mom, how do you remain present when maybe you don't live in the same house anymore? Or maybe you're like me and you live 900 miles away. How is that connection still made and nurtured? As we transition, obviously our children become independent and they move away. And first of all, let's be really grateful that our children are able to do that, right? Not everybody's children get to do that. So let's look at it from the right perspective. You know, if you've raised your children and you've done your job and they become strong enough, they become empowered, they become independent, and they're happy to move away and move out into the world on their own, what we need to do as mothers is ask them how they would like us to turn up in their lives. Mm. And it's the hardest thing to do because it's so easy when our children are small to be the decision maker over their life. And at some point, normally between nine and 11, they begin to decide how they want their life to be. They begin to choose who they allow into their space, when they allow them in, and even what the reasons are that they have for letting those people in. And that will transition as we go through life. So once your children are older, I mean, even early teens, we need to learn to approach them from a perspective of, okay, how can I serve you as your mother? And it's really difficult because this is the age when we see them making mistakes. But it's our responsibility to allow them to make mistakes up to the point of danger, obviously, so that they learn and develop the skills that we hope that they will develop one day. This is how it starts. And a part of that is giving them the ownership over their own life. Mm. Because we want them to be able to keep people out if they don't feel comfortable with people, as well as allowing the right people in. And if we over-parent or over-mother at this stage, which is a really crucial stage, they will never learn that. They will always expect us to, you know, fly in, you know, helicopter mum in to protect them or make those decisions for them. And as role models, um, because our children imprint on us, as models, we have to demonstrate this behavior by saying to them, almost asking them, you know, how do you want me to serve you? What do you need from me? And how does this look for you? So when your children are adults and moved away, I have two grown-up daughters, one's 28 and one's 23. My oldest daughter, we are, um, she lives obviously in her own apartment, and she has her own life, she socializes, she works, she's really busy. We talk every single day. And we tend to talk um, for hours a day, every single day. And in between, we're messaging. So even the smallest things that happen, we tend to share them with each other. My youngest daughter is less of a communicator, but what she will tend to do is 
um, spend time with you physically. But she will actually come to me and say, what, what are you doing now? And I'll be like, <laughs> um, I don't know. What should I be doing? Goes, Let's talk. And that's her way of inviting me into her space. And she does it when she's ready to share something with me. And it will usually be about, you know, dating relationships, like um, she's a mother herself. Um, so she'll talk about, you know, her son and her concerns and her worries, you know, or work, whatever it is. But she tends to do that in a one-on-one, face-to-face scenario, but also not not as often. She doesn't need me as often in that type of way. So, you know, it's our job as mums to allow them to make those choices and then be okay with them. Accept it. I think that's sometimes the hardest part is accepting it. Yeah. But, you know, we, we just have to get to a place where we know that we're guardians over their lives. We're not their owners. Mm. Right. And it's so hard because we carry them for nine months. We raise them from being helpless to hopefully helpful. And we're not always sure when that transition happens. But if we practice as early on as possible, giving them the permission to have a say over their life, over what they do, what they don't do, where they go, where they don't go within reason, then it helps to lay the foundations for that relationship as they transition um, when they become older. Mm. I like that. You had told me um, I was weary about Skylar going somewhere once and you, you actually gave me the advice to let her choose. But if she chose the place that I was weary of, of her going, then it was up to me to set the guidelines of, you know, what can and cannot happen while there. Mm-hmm. And I allowed her to make that choice. And funny enough, she didn't want to go back <laughs> after that. But it, it, it made her just realize, like, she had to experience it for herself. And had I had hindered that or not allowed her to go and experience it, she probably would have, cr- I don't know, craved it more, you know, wanted to do it more, right. more curious about it. Yeah. Right. So then she would have just had the longing and that would have just progressed and grown as right. time went on. And that's what causes rebellion. Mm. And I mean, I say all these things right now because I am, you know, where I am now. But when my children were older, I struggled so much with giving them freedom, especially my youngest daughter, because she was she's always been an old soul, but she was so mature, so young. And I would hear about things that she was doing at school or that she'd done with her sister or her cousins or something. And I just wouldn't be able to gain concept because she didn't behave like that with me. Mm. and as she got older um you know I realized that she actually whether I liked it or not craved independence Mm. right so what she would do is she would just not listen to instructions and she would do what she wanted to do anyway and it's you know it's nerve-wracking for parents especially for mums because you know you, you don't know where they are you don't think that they can take care of themselves but she's alive and well she's been on a hell of a journey already in her life but she's come through it as a much better stronger person right and what's really interesting is that part of her journey included her going overseas to school hmm. and she became as independent as you can be from your parents right right so you know, as much as I try to hold on to her <clears throat> and hold her back, it got to a point where she got full independence, um, you know, and went to school in the Caribbean. So it was like, <laughs> why was I holding her back? I don't know. But this was obviously part of her journey. So when we give them permission to choose, 
they have their own instincts, right? They have their own energy, they have their own vibes, and they will choose very quickly what they do and don't like. But when we say no, or we hold them back, or we prevent them from exploring for themselves, this is when they develop the cravings and the longing, and it grows and progresses and can sometimes then become out of control. So setting healthy boundaries really is what Always. it yeah. comes back to. And also teaching your children to be mindful, mm-hmm. right? So the way that we behave with them is how they will choose to behave with us and other people. So when we are connecting with them in the present, you know, in the moment, and we're being really mindful with them, and sometimes they say or do things and we stop, before we answer or behave automatically, and we take a moment to process that, sometimes you might have to say, okay, hold that thought. I'll get back to you later. If that's what you need to do, rather than give an automatic response, because, you know, we have to process things as well. But the more mindful that we are, the more mindfully we behave with our children, the more mindful they become. Mm -hmm. And they get to begin to make mindful choices and decisions. Well, I think because we're already talking about mindfulness, this is this is a good way to just kind of loop it in. We mentioned earlier that it's Mental Health Awareness Week. And mm-hmm. I think part of being mindful too is we can be mindful, right? We can be mindful all day, but then there's this part of like self-compassion that comes in. And yeah. I know as moms, <laughs> like you forget something, right? You forget to take your kid to practice. Like you forgot it was Thursday. Oh my gosh, we had a hula practice. We missed hula practice. I'm the worst mom ever. Like that is right. such a go-to line. Why, why is that? Why are right. we putting the shame upon ourselves when we just do something so minimal and so small in the grand scheme of things and make it seem like it's a big deal? Well, I mean, the basic answer is because we just care so much, mm. right? So, you know, whenever we get anxiety, because that's, that's rooted in anxiety. So whenever we're anxious about something, it's because it matters and we really care. The other thing is, though, unfortunately, we set extremely high expectations for ourselves. And when we don't always meet those expectations, when we miss the mark, we are the harshest critics of our own selves. And that is where self-compassion comes in. So when we learn to kind of like recognize that we did that, that we chastised ourselves, we criticized ourselves, judged ourselves, the best thing that we can do is just take a moment, you know, take a breath. And in that moment, just forgive yourself. Mm. Like instant forgiveness is much easier than forgiving yourself for something that you did 10 years ago that has grown and built up you know, so if you forgive yourself in that moment, you eliminate that seed of judgment that, ha- that you just sowed with those thoughts. Yeah. So it, it's okay, you know, and sometimes it's really hard because we do care so much and things do matter. And we, we do believe that we're Wonder Woman and Supermom and all the rest of it. And we just want so much for our children. But sometimes we need to stop wanting step back 30% out of all of the things that we're setting ourselves up to do. And then let's just take it slow, you know, like just try and manage what is working rather than wanting to be the ultimate um, mum and wanting things for our children that sometimes actually create a crisis in our lives because we want more for them than they would ever want for themselves. Mm. But forgiveness is the key. And it's just really simple. You know, you catch yourself in a thought and you just say, 
you know what, I forgive myself for forgetting, you know, whatever it is or for missing whatever. Just just say, you know, I forgive yourself and receive it. Yeah. For a long time, I, f- I felt for I, two, at least two full years, I felt awful. I mean, awful about missing Easter. I was in Bali for the Bali Spirit Festival. And it just so happened that it fell over Easter. And I just felt so terrible for not being there with my kids, but I actually didn't feel terrible I mean, I felt sad that morning, you know, just that I was missing it with them, which was actually nighttime, my time. But um, I felt bad that day, but it wasn't until my kids made a comment about it. And it just like, I just let it eat me up inside. And I just felt like the worst person ever. And then it it didn't hit me until I was, I don't remember who I was having a conversation with, but we were talking about it. And I was like, oh man, I vow to like never miss a holiday again. Like it just tore me up. And they made the comment of, think how many parents out there who have never been to one of their children's like holiday parties or even just a holiday in general. Like there's, there's kids out there who just don't even know their parents because they're just so absent from their life. And then when you put it into like a bigger scheme, I'm like, well, I've missed, I missed one holiday Uh, in 10 years. I missed one, you know, one, I think I can forgive myself for that. Yeah. But like, man, and they don't even, I don't even think they remember that Easter. <laughs> like, now, I don't think they really remember that Easter that right. much, but I surely did. And right. I was and a, holding on to it. Right. And a better way to process that is to say, just imagine the gift that I have to give to my children as a result of this experience. Mm. Because to us, it matters that it was Easter. To them, what matters is when you can share with them the stories of your experience in Bali that happened to fall over Easter. And a lot of the time what we do is we get so caught up looking at the negative and the downside of things that we forget that there's always an upside. I mean, it's law, it's universal law that where there's good, there's bad, where there's dark, there's light, where there's up, there's down, right? So however bad you're feeling, flip it, come out on top and just think to yourself, so what is the benefit? What is the gift that I have to give to my children in this moment? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the gift is everything that you got to experience in Bali, you get to share with them. Yes. So true. Right. I love it. Well, it's so have- easy to say that now though, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Falling like a baby that day. I felt so <laughs> awful. I was like, look at them picking up their little Easter eggs. <laughs> like, just didn't be there knowing it lasts all but 10 minutes is really, in reality, all that I truly missed out of that day. Right. 10 minutes, because I know how fast it goes. So right. it's like, I missed 10 minutes of memories. But then I know, too, um, both of my cousins, they're younger than me. They're both in college. They'll meet they'll be missing um, Thanksgiving this year because they are studying abroad. And then I start thinking about that and I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not even going to have every holiday with them through life. Like my mom doesn't have every holiday with me, you know? So it's like, right. And you know, the easiest thing to do to let yourself off the hook and not to feel guilty um, is to explain to them. Mm. You just need to tell them as small as they are. Right, you can tell a one-year-old what's happening and on some level they receive it. Right. So when you sit down with your children and say, so look, Easter's coming up, I'm not going to be here, 
But guess what? I'm going to be in Bali and I'm going there for work. It's for my career. I'm going to help all these amazing people that are in Bali. And it's going to be so amazing and such an amazing time that even though I'm sad that I won't be with you, I can't wait to get back and share all of the stories with you. And children are just, like I said earlier, so forgiving and so understanding. And within a second, they'll be like, okay, mum, and run off and continue playing Mm. whatever game they're playing. But they have the information. Yeah. You know that you say that that they're so forgiving and like, um, it was funny because yesterday we were at a Mother's Day tea and Callie's teacher who she's in her her mid-40s her kids are are grown and she was like you know I love coming to work because no matter what I know that there's going to be a classroom of little kids who are so happy to see me every day because you know they're four and five year olds and she's like and that sometimes is the highlight of my day of just you know having that that feeling because they're they are they're so forgiving of you and they're so loving and yeah they are at that stage but they're just and they're resilient. I love you all you know? the time. Yeah. yeah, they're resilient. They roll with the punches. And a lot of the things that we worry about actually don't impact our children in mm. the way that we think they do. Yeah, so and of true. course, there are, you know, children out there who are having terrible lives and going through terrible experiences. But from the position of the type of mothers that we're addressing today, in terms of mothers who have the want and the desire to be more mindful with their children then I think that the message is to just really let yourself off the hook, you know, be a little bit easier on yourself because intention is everything. And if your intention is to do the best that you can for your children, then that will see you through everything that happens. I think when it comes with forgiveness and judgment too, that we can just open up a can of worms about judging and body shame. Like I just see so many other moms judging each other and putting them down. But yet here we are in this, like, let's lift each other up, womenhood, you know, just, and then like you see someone who's like, oh my gosh, that, that kid drinks way too much juice. Why is she letting him do that? You know, it's just like full of judgment. And it's just like, oh Lordy, (laughs) how, how do we one, stop judging and like what what I know it's a reflection of ourselves when we do that but two like how do we not let that judgment like really affect us because for some people especially if you're not very confident in yourself or secure with who you are that can just break you down Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that this is one of the most difficult things that we go through as mothers, right? So we're, we're always afraid of the judgment and the comments from our peers because we always have that little bit of doubt as to whether we are doing the right thing. You know, what is it that we should be doing next? You know, that type of thing. And I think that as uh, mothers and women in general, we really need to stop and take a moment to put ourselves in other women's shoes because like I said earlier, none of us are perfect and therefore none of our children are perfect. Perfection doesn't exist, okay? And sometimes what we need to do is when we feel that judgment, that judgmental voice starting to talk in our minds, what we should do is, because that's the ego, first of all, what we should do is really figure out which part of us, of our own selves, are we judging in that Mm -hmm. moment, right? Because judgment is never external, it's always internal, 
Right. And we project it onto other people because we don't want to deal with it. So that's the first thing. So if you do see a mum, for example, and her child is, you know, screaming and throwing themselves on the ground, if you judge that woman and that child in that moment, there's something going on with you where you feel as though you're out of control with your child. And even though it may not be demonstrated in the same way, you're actually chastising and judging yourself. Mm. Now, the other thing is that once we move past that, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. You don't know what kind of day they're having. You don't know what they've been through before you see this thing happening. You don't even know whether this person is like really struggling with their child, right? right. So not every parent-child or mother-child dynamic is um, the way we think it should be. Because what we tend to forget is that children are their own spirits. And in some dynamics, the child comes as an older spirit, parent than the, than the mother. Mm. Right? So, and I grew up in that dynamic. Yeah. So I understand that from a very early age, I had control of the whole household. And it sounds really strange, but um, I think... So the best way of explaining that is that I was always very mature, very studious, very well behaved, but I was always asked for my opinion about mm -hmm. everything. And I was asked to do things like write letters, on, you know, for people and, you know, help pay bills and, you know, all these sorts of things. And it wasn't because of a lack of intelligence on my parents or my mum's behalf. It's because I was just so precocious. Mm. Right. So from a very early age, I had a lot of say in that dynamic. Yeah. Right. And to this very day, you know, I've, I've always been a much older spirit, but I've also always been the one that's almost like taken the upper hand or, you know, taken the high road. So there were lots of things that I did as a child that my mum couldn't understand, that she couldn't figure out. I ran rings around her. Um, you know, I did things that to this day, she probably would never even believe that, you know, that I had done good and bad. Um, and also it was that whole dynamic of she couldn't ever control me. Mm. So sometimes we look at people and we judge them without knowing or without understanding what that dynamic is. And I think that the best thing we can ever do is when we see another woman who's struggling with how she looks, how she feels, her children, her parenting skills, anything at all, is we just approach them with kindness and compassion. You know, send them lots of light and love, maybe have a kind word for them, you know, say something to put a smile on their face and just break them out of whatever it is that's going on. But more importantly, be more accepting of ourselves and who we are so that we can be more accepting of other women. Mm. I love that. It's so true. I used to be... I, and I'm like the first to admit it, you know, in Florida, you sometimes see some things in the, on the beach that are a little shocking to the eye. And mm -hmm. I would see women who at the time I'm like, why are they wearing a bikini? Like I'm in a one piece, like, and then, you know, it's like one day it just kind of clicked for me. It was like, I don't have the confidence to wear the bikini. They do. It doesn't matter what their body looks like. They have the confidence. So now I like, I've changed that mindset to if I see someone and they're like, oh my gosh, why is she wearing that? I will be the first mm -hmm. one to say like, I wish I had her confidence, you know, to right. like spin it back around because that's exactly what it is. When you're seeing that and you're like, why is she doing that? It's, it's mm -hmm. totally an inward thing. It's not 
why is she doing that? Because she loves herself because she's comfortable in that because that's what she wants to wear. Like, you know, it's, it's nothing other than just that. Right. And I think that, you know, with the, um, the whole like social media world and having so much access to people and even the fact that we can travel so easily, it's very easy to fall into judgment and criticism of how people look, how they dress and, you know, body types and shapes and that kind of thing, because it might be different to your own or something that you're not used to. Mm. But I think that just requires us to be even more open-hearted, open-minded and loving towards other people. Because you know what? We exist here on earth in whatever form is working for us at that moment. Because what actually matters is the spirit of the person. You know, the human body is not eternal. The spirit is. So sometimes try and look past that and maybe connect with the spirit of the person, right? Connect with who they are and get past all of that because it is what it is, you know? And the more that we can practice getting past what our senses deliver to us and just try and connect with people beyond that, the more forgiving, the kinder and the more compassionate will be. Mm. I know that just self-compassion is something that you know that I've been working on myself in the past, oh gosh, I guess it's been six months now, seven months. And it's something that I'm very mindful to luckily I have you to to help me as like my toolbox to pick your brain whenever I want. (laughs) How can other people, people who are listening to the show right now who are like, man, I really need to show myself some more compassion. What do I do next? How do I start this? How do I become more mindful? Mm -hmm. Where do we guide them to? Right. So, um, Next week is Mental Health Awareness Week and the feature is body image. So in light of that, what I've done is I have gone through my vault of, you know, information. I don't even know what to call it. It's just so vast. And I have finally got to a place where I've put something together for everyday people, you know, women everywhere, as opposed to just working with um, companies. And I'm about to release this weekend um, a toolkit or a toolbox for figuring out how to develop self-compassion. So there will be exercises, there'll be meditations, and there'll be worksheets. And all you have to do is go to my website, and it is The Mindful Psychotherapist. So I know that's a little bit long, but um, it's themindfulpsychotherapist.com. And when you get there, just join as a member. So there are some things that will be available for sale for people who aren't members and, you know, just out there hanging about browsing or whatever. But um, once you join and you become a member, then you will have access to all of the free information, all of the free tools and all of the packages and programs that I release in the membership area. So I'll be releasing, um, it's, it's called a Mindful Compassion Programme. Mm-hmm. And it will just take you through the steps of developing self-compassion using some mindfulness and some mindfulness meditations to help you to really connect with yourself and, you know, observe your thoughts and feelings and just really figure out what is actually going on with you so that you can begin to practice self-compassion. Because the first thing is to develop awareness. We need to be aware of where we're not being kind and compassionate to ourselves so that we can then take the steps to introduce that. 
So I think it's important to mention too, that while we're in this toolbox of learning how to be compassionate with ourselves, we're also teaching our kids by demonstrating that compassion to ourselves, which is the most important part for most moms. It's like, now we can give them the tools that we've learned. Exactly. And you know, that was one of my key drivers and motivations, um, as with most mothers, was to, you know, when I transitioned into psychotherapy and, you know, began my whole journey of energy healing and everything, it was to give my children the tools to deal with life. Mm. Because not only did I want to heal myself from some things that I'd gone through, I didn't know how they were going to process it. And my only intention was to make sure that they had the tools because, you know, we're not always sure that our children are going to come to us. They might be going to the wrong people. They might just sit with some stuff. But once we know that we have given them the tools, that's the best thing we could ever do because that way they will always find a way to manage life. Mm. And I I agree totally 100% with what you just said. It's so important that we learn these things ourselves so that we can pass these tools on to our children. Yeah. And I know, I know from just my experience, the more that I become more confident in myself, it's also, it's like I become more confident in the way that I can parent, you know, right. like I'm, I'm just more confident in my ability to do things or handle situations. So it's, I, I do now show myself a lot more compassion, but it's also compassion has almost like fueled my confidence as well. Yeah, so it all works together. It's all housed in a similar area in the brain um, and it all works together. So in terms of self-esteem and confidence, you have to train that in the same way you train a muscle, right? Mm -hmm. People assume that people are just born confident and with great self-esteem and great self-worth and no, you train it, you work at it, you build it, you know? So, and as you do these things and as you practice over and over again, You find ways to challenge yourself, to put yourself out there a little bit more, to not pay attention to other people's negative energy, to not hear the things that people are saying. You you also figure out how to very quickly put good boundaries in place, reinforce those boundaries, but also sometimes the trick to really handling this type of stuff is practicing your quips, Mm. right? Have that handy remark ready because you know within yourself what people are likely to say so for example if you you know run into somebody you've not seen for a while you know what they're thinking or what they're going to say don't say it for them because you know sometimes people do that self-deprecating thing of oh I know I've gained weight no don't do that but the minute they say wow you've gained weight say yep it's in my genes or something that makes you feel okay with it so you can get past it really quickly Mm. right and that's what I do right so I come from a family where I can guarantee that almost every female um, that is you know a cousin of mine and believe me there are you know dozens and dozens and dozens of us they're all heavy we all carry a lot of weight so the minute and it's usually a relative right because a friend would never be so rude says, wow, you've gained weight. I say, yeah, I got it from my mama. And there's nothing else to say because we all got it from our mamas. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and if you look at us, we're all 
you know, quite similar. Right. But once you say that, everyone laughs, moves past it, moves through it, and you get to be okay with yourself. Mm. And you know, the same thing goes the opposite way. I've, I've told you this before that people have commented, since I moved to Florida, I lost weight. And mm-hmm. then people made a comment that I was like, too skinny. And I was like, first of all, my, my jean size hasn't moved. I've worn the same size pants I have for like 10 years. My shirt size did alter, but it it got to a point where I was like, you guys are seeing me as too skinny, but I'm actually like very happy. So my quip back was like, well, you try living in Florida. Like all I do is sweat all the time, you know? And then like, it turns it into a joke. It's lighter, but then it's like, it's not a concern to me and it really shouldn't be a concern to you because I am healthy and I'm happy with where I am. Right. And that's what it takes because first of all, you have to protect yourself, but you also need to push people back. Right. Right. Because people will only come into your space and continue if you allow them. Mm-hmm. So being prepared because you know that people are going to have something to say, you know, and it can be about anything. It just, it doesn't have to be about weight. It can right. Be, you know, hair, whatever, anything. you know, yeah. what you're wearing. Prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. Be ready and fire it out. Even if you feel like you're dying inside, fire it out and practice. It's okay to, to be a little sassy. Throwing shots. Yeah, it's <laughs> all right to put your yeah. sassy pants on once in a while. Exactly. Send those strays out and whoever yeah. wants to pick them up, let them pick them up. Because right. you know what? What is most important is that you get to be okay with you. Exactly. Exactly. And that goes in so many areas. Yep. But prepare yourself, you know, always be prepared. And that's what I always tell people because it's one of the ways that you, you know, manage your boundaries. It's one of the ways that you protect yourself, but it also takes the heat out of that moment. Yeah. So because you answered them, you don't go away feeling hurt and damaged. They don't go away feeling powerful and victorious over you. It just takes all of that negative energy out of the moment and puts it in the bin. Right. And like you said, like these are exercises that you have to do. So in your toolbox, you'll be providing the exercises, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be providing lots of exercises. There are a couple of worksheets for people who enjoy filling in the blanks or, you know, journaling and writing stuff down. And there are meditations as well, because I think that people meet, you know, at different points in terms of learning and developing themselves. But more importantly, I think that practice and repetition is the key to really developing these tools and Mm. really growing in these ways. So once you have them, you know, try and practice them. Some people do well daily, some people do weekly. Try not to do it longer than, you know, a week apart, maybe seven days max, but practice, do it over and over again, you know, and just really get it into your system till it becomes almost like a bit of a habit to -hmm. do these things, to say these things, to, you know, meditate in this way, to, you know, visualize certain things. And even if you're busy and on the go, you download the meditations, you put your headphones in, you know, get those earbuds in and off you go and just be listening to the meditations because those words are going into your mind subconsciously and they're seeds, they're taking root. And the more you do this, the more it will grow within you. I can attest that the exercises, I like laugh because when I say exercises, like I automatically think physical exercise (laughs) and I'm like, try to avoid physical exercise for the most part, but I do exercise my mind a lot. So what you give me, anytime Cheryl gives me an exercise, I'm like, okay, doing it. Yeah. Like you're amazing. You're like, I don't know. I don't think you've ever not done anything that I've suggested. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't, but I've also, I've pushed through a lot of blocks because I've done these exercises. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, I don't know how it will help me. I'm telling you, it will help you in even like unsuspecting ways, ways that you, you weren't very conscious of how it could help you. It will help. Right. For sure. Right. Because Cheryl's got the knowledge and she shared it with us. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you know, I mean, just one last thing that I want to say is that I have the knowledge through experience. Yes. You know, my life had got to such a low point. And when I say low point, I mean like somewhere that I had never been before in my entire life, never expected to be. And there were points in my journey where I didn't know that if I would ever be able to you know, fully returned to my strength. Right. And all I did was I just did my work. Mm. You know, I just dug in deep. I have a huge thirst for knowledge anyway. Um, you know, and I would just seek information and more and more things would come to me. I went back to school and I studied. And to this day, I find new things and I practice and I teach myself, and I learn and learn, you know, I've got books coming out of my ears, you know, you just have to stay in that space of doing the work, right, as long as we are alive, and we're breathing in air, we we should be learning and growing spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, so everything that I give to people, everything that I teach people, is, is, it comes from my own experience, my own knowledge, and my own understanding. So I don't give people theories. I give people things that I can attest to work and that other people can attest to work for them. Right. I love it. I can attest. <laughs> Number, one fan. <laughs> Number one fan. Number one fan. Oh, well, Shereel, absolutely amazing. I know. Well, thank you for joining me today. As always, uh, I love our conversations. I know our, our listeners hear them, you know, once every couple months, but we talk every day for the, right. for the most part. <laughs> so this is just like another day for me when I get to talk to you on the podcast and just right. expand our conversations. But, but it is amazing. You know, it's just so nice to be surrounded by people who are like-minded and we just have an amazing connection and it's really easy and it's just an absolute joy and a pleasure that um, I have you in my life. Ah, oh, feeling is mutual. Feeling is well, thank you again for joining me and I will link your website in this week's episode notes. So that way our listeners can go back to the mindbizlife.com website and you can find like Sister Real's website as well as our private Facebook group, which there are a ton of new goodies in there. So definitely come yeah. join us on Facebook. Yes, it's popping. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, <laughs> to say the least. Well, yeah. thank you again, Sheryl. And um, I'm sure you'll thank be back you. soon. Yeah, look forward to it. You can find links to Sheryl's website and our joint Facebook group on this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. Well, I'll see you back here next week for another episode. But until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.